0: Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. It's the worst noises he probably ever heard. At the start of a podcast. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land episode two, everybody. Those of you that stuck around through my terrible noises in the start. Those are the kind of noises you hear when you like open up your dorm room when you come home too early and you find your roommate masturbating. Those are the, those are the noises you were treated to there. So welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, guys, this is the second episode. So that means you can go to lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL2 if you want to access the show notes. I'll include those for all the stories we talk about today. Also, while I've got your attention here, uh, guys, if you don't mind, if you have some time, go on iTunes, maybe give us a nice review, maybe a nice five-star review. Maybe even type some letters in there if your fingers are feeling frisky. And additionally, please do check out Mark Clare and his in-depth interviews on Mondays uh felony fridays every friday shocking yes i know considering the name of the show with my guest today john odie Odermat. that looks at the criminal justice system typically we're, uh, we're kind of crapping on a lot of the things that happen there because there's not a lot to love but uh, that is every friday i encourage you to check that out it's pretty fascinating stuff now guys peek behind the curtain I record this show typically on Mondays or at least a day ahead of time before it airs because I got to edit this bastard. And a lot of things happen sometimes in the news. Today's one of those days. Naturally, all the best news came out on Tuesday. So I'm going to fly alone here flying solo before I bring in Odie and his pre-recorded segment. So I got to I got to hit some of these stories. They're just like, bam, pow, right in your face. So first things first. Judiciary Committee confirmation hearings for Senator Jeff Sessions, Republican from Alabama. He is uh, being nominated for attorney general, and uh, they were giving him the grilling. I mean, look, Sessions has a lot of issues to hate, especially for libertarians. The primary one being his opposition to the war, or <laughs> say his huge favor to the war on drugs, and opposition to putting, say, anything in your body that, uh, that the government doesn't condone. But he's got some other foibles. I'll get back to that in a second. One of which is that uh, people were really grilling him about his associations with the KKK and uh, and wh- how he felt about them. This comes from some of the stuff he said in his past. He criticized the NAACP uh, previously because he said that they were un-American. And uh, he also made a joke because he was working a case one time. He made a joke that uh, this you know this black guy had gotten lynched by the KKK and he goes, you know, he found out that after they lynched this poor man, they went out and smoked pot. And so he joked to people in the room, oh, you know what? I kind of like the KKK before I realized they smoked pot. Now, admittedly, it's a joke. Uh, depending on your sensibilities, it could even be considered a funny joke. But eh, you can see where that could be problematic for all Jeff there. So when he's on the stand today, you know, he had to boldly condemn the KKK, which, of course, at this point, Jeff Sessions boldly condemning the KKK is like me, boldly condemning alcohol over the first two weeks of January every year before I fall right back off the wagon. So we'll see if people fly with that. Now, the thing about Jeff Sessions, though, that really pissed me off is that you know, that joke, the KKK joke's a perfect example of, of his thinking and why we ought to be so worried about him. He makes a joke that, oh, the KKK, and then they go out and smoke pot. But, but let's just top, t- stop and think about the tactics that the war on drug uses and how similar those are to the tactics the KKK uses. Let's see. Kicking in people's doors in the middle of the night? Yup. KKK did that. So does uh, government students when they want to kick in your door and do drug raids in the middle of the night. Let's see, do they uh, ruin the lives of black men? Yes, they certainly do. Do they take the lives of black men? Yes, they certainly do, considering the fact that justice is not applied equally across the spectrum and how many black men have been put in prison for life because of the war on drugs. So, hey, Jeff, you know, maybe you have a lot more ties to the KKK than we like to think about. Just want to point that out. And not only that, I also want to mention that Jeff also thinks that porn, porn people, is a health hazard, just like the nutbags in Utah do. So Jeff thinks that there should be a, a special justice department unit to prosecute obscenity laws. And uh, yeah, I, I'm guessing now it, it's public health, right? Session's going to fold that into CDC. I'm sure we'll see a new CSI show coming out, a new CSI special victims unit. it uh, be called like justice department. CDC, SCI, VSU, Bader haters, something like that. Just God, it drives me insane, though. So the man, you know, not only that, though, he said he's going to vigorously enforce obscenity laws. And by the way, who the hell uses the term vigorously if you're not talking about a sexual act? The only time you ever use vigorously is if you're like, I was vigorously giving it to that girl. Like, that's a Trump phrase. I was vigorously giving it to her. Anyway, screw Jeff Sessions. Alabama just got their asses uh, handed to them. No, Not handed to them, but still, they lost in the championship game for the football I'm hoping Alabama gets dealt a second defeat. Send this asshole home, please. Second thing, guys, got a hit on. Uh, South Carolina church shooter Dylan Roof was the first ever to receive a death sentence, a federal death sentence for a hate crime. Now, look, I'm not saying that I think he should not necessarily not die. I mean, clearly the man is uh, disturbed, unapologetic. He killed nine people in cold blood. And I mean, look, if they're going to kill him, Guy's name is Dylan Roof. Can we burn him at the stake just for the headline? DeRoof, DeRoof, Roof is on fire. We don't need no water. Let that mother burn. You know what I'm saying? But still, what I have to ask myself is this is a hate crime. Okay. If this wasn't a hate crime, quote unquote hate crime, and it was nine white people killed, would they still have gotten death sentence? If we have to ask if categories and action based on race warrants death versus life in prison, because that's he would have gotten life in prison for sure. But saying this is a hate crime, that probably kicked this up into him being put to death. I mean, let's be perfectly honest with ourselves. Is that something that's right? Using this word as this random assignment that this is now a hate crime? I mean, because there's people that it won't be so cut and dry. That'll be accused of a hate crime that may not have done it out of hate. That may not have, you know, it, they may be innocent. I don't know. But we're saying now we're gonna put him to death. Now this precedent's been set. Because it's a hate crime, we're gonna put him to death. And you know, get look at this, guys. Don't fall in his footsteps. Don't you shoot people of another race. I just think it's a little bit uh a little bit questionable. Last thing I gotta talk about, and my God, did this blow the internet up, but so this report got leaked uh, from, you know, it's been circulating around the eight congressmen and you know, Obama and to Trump. And apparently it's been in, in the intelligence community for for weeks and months, though. Uh, like, you know, John McCain had it months ago uh, from what I read. But there's a report about Trump alleged having uh, ties to Russian governments, you know, agents. And basically this comes from a uh, an ex-MI6 agent that apparently they, they believe, they trust him. So fine. It's still none of this can be confirmed. But in the report, it alleges that, uh, among other things, that uh, Donald Trump was offered business deals from the Russian government, which he turned down to his credit. He, I guess, knew it was a trap. But that also it's, it's contending that his lawyer, uh, a man named Cohen, had been getting information from Russian agents during the campaign. Now, that, if true, is problematic. However, I don't know what you're going to do about it at this point. It's not like you're like, going to rescind what's happened. It's not like Hillary Clinton is going to get the presidency because of it. So, again, this is kind of an exercise in futility. Uh, and I'm sure this was leaked by, you know, somebody on the Democratic side. This may have been leaked right now in retaliation for Trump's statement about the intelligence community in regards to the DNC hacking. That would not shock me in any way. But the one thing I do have to talk about here, because there is a, a little gem nugget hidden in this report, is that apparently Donald Trump went to, uh, to Russia and stayed at a hotel. And the FSB, which is the uh, the KGB's new name, the FSB had you know monitors and microphones in this room. It's a very popular room, stated by dignitaries all over the place. And the Obamas had previously stayed there, and I guess are known to stay in this this one hotel room. So Trump, being Trump, uh, allegedly goes in there and he's like, you know, screw the Obamas, I hate those hate those scumbags. So he hires a bunch of Russian prostitutes to come to the room and do a golden shower show on the bed. <laughs> To thoroughly defile the bed. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's so funny. To thoroughly defile the bed they slept in. And I guess in the hopes that they would come back later (laughs) and sleep in this, uh, this hooker pee bed. Now, I don't know if that means Donald Trump wanted to get peed on, if he's a part of getting peed on, if that's his fetish thing or not. Um, I was a little, I was adding up a little bit. Let's be honest. You know, you heard that old joke, you know, Ivana Tinkle. I was thinking about that, like Ivana Tinkle. Ivana, Ivana Trunk, Ivanka Trump. Avanka Tinkle? You know, it all adds up. It all makes sense. But either way, look, if man wants to get peed on, I don't give a damn. And this also comes, by the way, the, today when the federal government just uh, put the kibosh on Backpages.com, which is where all the escorts had been posting their services since they cracked down on Craigslist, which is also ridiculous. Let people, I mean, people want to sell their bodies, let them do what they want to do. I'm sure the Russian government's not cracking down on, on uh, Ruskypages.com or whatever they want to call it, rusky butts. So... Anyway, it's a hilarious story. I think it's all BS when we get down to brass tacks and the peeing on people. But it is hilarious. And thank you, Donald Trump, gift that keeps on giving for us in the comedic vein. All I know is day number one. Ready? Cutscene. Day number one. Trump gets in the, uh, the Oval Office. Obama's sitting behind the desk. And I just hope Trump walks up to Obama, looks him straight in the eye and goes, you're in my seat. So with me, as mentioned, guys, is John Odermat of Felony Friday. Odie, how are you doing, my friend?
1: It is fantastic to be here, finally, on Electric Liberty Land.
0: Finally, this is finally second the second episode. episode. Yeah.
1: I, I guess I was a little bit hurt that you, you put Rico on first.
0: I Rico just happened to be in town, man. You know, whoever's sleeping on the couch is the is the first guest. That's, that's 101 booking people. I live in Hollywood. Trust me, this is how it happens. Whoever slept on Jimmy Kimmel's couch last night, it was who's on today's show. There you go. You heard that's, it here first. Wonderful. Secrets of the Stars. So w- when Rico sleeps on your couch, does he urinate in your plants or does he go to the bathroom? He typically just does it right on the couch. <laughs> We've got a lot of a lot of uh, soaked in memories there. If you really oh, if you go down, you can see uh you know the different eras as far as the meals he's had. Uh <laughs> you can tell, you know, I mean really you can you can get in there. I don't I don't recommend it. And in Too fact, much information. <laughs> if you want to send some some gifts to the Lions of Liberty uh, sheets would be great. It'd be great to have some rubber sheets to, to check on that in the, in the future. Or maybe uh, we should post a like a, a poll in the forum and you can go, guys. You can go and join our forum. Let's uh, go to Facebook. Just type in Lions of Liberty forum and bam. You are a member of our forum, essentially, unless you look like a psychopath or a, maybe look like you have a. Uh, you might be a Nigerian rapper. We don't let those people in. It's an amazing amount of them. Nigerian yeah, rappers, help. typically, if we
1: can't understand anything in your profile, if it's in another language, and there's nothing even at all liberty related, typically you're not going to get in. That's yeah, a,
0: uh... yeah, that's that's a good rule of thumb. Uh, and uh, if you have many, more than one picture of a tiger, also not getting in. <laughs> rejected a lot of those. All right, so we, let's we, get let's get down to it. What do you think, Cody? You ready for this? You ready? To, you ready to do some boogieing through this election? Uh, I'm, I'm ready, man. I'm ready. I love I love the intro music, by the way. Oh yeah, I'm get, ready to boogie. Get funky, man. Get get through the hump. It's the weekend hump. Help Absolutely. people. Absolutely. All right, so first thing I want to talk about, guys. So we're recording this, yeah, uh, you know, behind the curtain, a couple of days ahead of time before it's going to air. Got to edit all this, all these fantastic sound effects in, and. Um, Austin Peterson has caused a bit of a stir. I mean, it's in a week of stirs. If you're a Lions of Liberty fan, uh, you heard, you know, the Nicholas Sarwark interview, of course, has caused the great libertarian <laughs> rift of 2017. I'm not going to go into that here because it's going to be discussed ad nauseum in our forum and in an episode uh, upcoming. Um, but the new thing that is ripping libertarians asunder is that Austin Peterson has basically thrown it out there that he might consider running for the Republican party in certain seats. Now, the question is, with that, you know, obviously, Austin Peterson has not been a huge uh, member of the libertarian movement as far as public eye goes until this year. I mean, he kind of rose up just out of nowhere, shocking people. He was known as more of a of an Internet uh, troll, a libertarian troll, if you will. And then he kind of won people over. He won me over with his performances in the debates and a real knowledge of libertarianism, even if some of his quotes kind of seemed a little bit canned. But still, he knew his book learning for libertarianism. And so he he developed a lot of fans. He had a lot of support, and now he is throwing it out there, saying, "Well, look, maybe I wanna I wanna run Republican." And I don't know if you saw a lot of the the talk in the forum, or I, I saw one meme out there that was one that he made himself, and it's him like a. a, a, a downtrodden heap of dump uh, in a puddle, and it's got all the negatives about libertarians if you run as a libertarian, like the Aleppo moment, like uh, naked people running around in the goddamn Libertarian Convention, like you know, a lack of mainstream media coverage. And then on the Republican side, it's got, you know, well-known and and Rand Paul and Justin Amash and all this stuff. So uh, after my rambling there to introduce it, the question is, what do you think? I mean, it, it should libertarians say, yes, I'm going to run as a, as a Republican and dump the Libertarian Party? Or, uh, I mean, is, is it better to do that? Or is it better to stand up and say, no, we need to grow the Libertarian Party as Libertarians in, uh, notably as that party?
1: Uh, it's it's tough. Um, I'm not sure if there's one correct answer. I think the, the most important thing is uh, what are Austin Peterson's intentions? If he really wants to be elected into the Senate, um, the only way he's going to do that this next election cycle, or even the one after that, likely, or even probably the one after that, is through the Republican Party, through a major party. The Libertarian Party is just not built up enough to uh, actually get a senator elected with that LP label. Uh, Libertarian Party doesn't have the infrastructure, doesn't have the money, doesn't have the resources, so there's really no way possible that's going to happen. So, if his number one priority is to become a U.S. senator, then he's got to do it in the Republican Party. Now, I mean, the question is if he wants to advance liberty. How much can you really advance liberty within the Republican Party? Um, Obviously, you're not going to advance it legislatively if you're not going to get elected as a libertarian either. But um, at least if he gets elected as a Republican, you know, we've seen with Rand Paul with his filibusters and uh, Justin Amash with his social media tweeting and, you know, uh, talking about every bill and really going into details um, and breaking them down from from a libertarian perspective. Um, you can still. And of course, the Ron Paul, I mean, Ron Paul, the the uh, number one, they libertarian Republican. Yeah. Of course, you can communicate the ideas of liberty through that Republican platform. But there are so many just insane other Republicans in that party who want to have never had any war, who want to, uh, you know, to have some small government rhetoric, some low tax rhetoric, and then raise taxes and spend big money. So the
0: libertarian message can easily get lost in there as well. Well, you're basically so, damned if you do, damned if you don't. I mean, pretty it, much. It, for, as a libertarian, I can see both sides of the argument. I agree. I mean, I, I'm not going to hold anything against him, honestly, if he runs as, as a Republican. I'm, I'm fine with it. Like you said, there's a lot of good that can be done. And certain people believe that you can get up inside and get up all inside of that, and, uh, and get work your magic inside the Republican party. Yeah, exactly. Get, get, get it pregnant, get, get it. Get, exactly. Right, man. Put some libertarian babies up in that Republican belly and then slowly work from the inside out. Kind of like the movie, you're know, like the movie species, you know, get up in there alien, you know, put that alien baby in there and then we can, we can burst out of the chest of the Republican party, uh, shrieking and then, uh, take over the whole spaceship and and have several sequels. So, You know, I can see that side of it and it makes sense to me. But at the same time, the problem is saying, look, no one's going to listen to me as a libertarian, is that the same number of people are probably not going to listen to you as a Republican that might have listened to you as a libertarian. I mean, I guess we're basically if we're de facto saying, "Okay, you know what? You can run as as a Republican, as a libertarian. We are basically admitting defeat in reaching progressives. And. I don't know if I am, am OK with that or not. I, I might be OK with that because I was just listening to, uh, you know, Dave Smith on Part of the Problem, and he had one episode that was called The Left is Irredeemable. And I agree with him. It's it, they've gotten to the point with the rhetoric that it's gone so far. And you and I talk about this on an episode of Felony Friday that's going to be uh, coming up in a, in a couple of weeks, weeks um, about this this whole kidnapping thing with with these teenagers And I blamed the Democrats for a lot of what's happening, that they've demonized people. And the left, in a large part, has gone down that road so frickin' far that I don't know if you could ever bring them back. So maybe we should just be concentrating on trying to infiltrate uh, the Republican Party after all.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's tough. You definitely – there's no clear-cut answer. Um, And (sighs) – it really just does depend on what Austin Peterson's in- intentions are. And if he's going to become elected as a Republican, he's going to have to water down the message. He's not going to be able to be I think I think he's in Kansas, I believe. He's not going to be able to be elected as a U.S. senator in Kansas with a pure libertarian message similar to the message that he ran on for the uh, libertarian POTUS nomination. It's just not going to happen. Uh, people are are not ready for it. They don't understand it. They don't understand the the principles of liberty. They don't understand how government could work without coercion. Um, it, it's it's just not it. It, it hasn't advanced far enough for people uh, nationwide, statewide, in a state like Kansas, to really grasp the principles. So he'll have to change his message. So with a wat- is is a watered down libertarian message in the Senate just like we've seen with Rand Paul and in Congress with Amash and in Congress with with uh, Massey. Is that as good as having, you know, Austin Peterson running for, you know, LP president again and maybe getting the nomination and getting, you know, 7% of the vote,
0: which, which is better? I, I, I don't know. I don't know which is better. I don't know which reaches more people. Yeah, I, I don't either. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I would edge towards saying, look, if he can actually, if he legitimately thinks he can get a Senate seat, I say go for it. Uh, you, you do you, boo-boo. Get the hell in there and then work your magic from the inside out. But, I mean, it's, I think it would be a long shot either way, to be honest. I mean, in the, in the Libertarian Party, he rubbed people the wrong way. And, I mean, God knows we love being rubbed the wrong way. Uh, This whole Sarwark thing has shown that. Ah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, come on, man. He's he's a, a personality that you have to grow to love. And that's when he's saying everything that you agree with, 95% of it. If he's going out there and trying to convert people with his message and, and they're not getting half of what he's saying – yeah it may not work out too well um yeah all right well let's move on to another thing which was you know Odie asked me to to begin with i said okay here's the order we're gonna go in and then i immediately abandoned the order (laughs) you like how i did that that's what i love about this show keep me on my toes That's, that's right man it's unexpected so let's let's talk about the golden globes were last night here in los angeles and meryl streep who uh, is very well respected as an actress, which is very nice. I loved her in uh, the movie Defending Your Life. Fantastic, fantastic film. But she, of course, uh, got the Cecil B. DeMille Award and, and went up on stage. And just like Leonardo DiCaprio did at the Oscars, she decided that this was her moment to shine and really just make a liberal ass out of herself by going balls deep on talking about how hollywood was vilified and uh let's just take a a quick lesson of the the start of this speech
1: you and all of us in this room really belong to the most vilified segments in
0: american society right now think about it hollywood foreigners and the press but who are we and and You know, what is Hollywood anyway? It's just a bunch of people from other places. I was born and raised and educated in the public schools of New Jersey. Viola was born in a sharecropper's cabin in South Carolina. Sharecropper's cabin. Okay, yada, yada, yada. Basically, long story short, all of her friends, Natalie Porton, was born in Jerusalem. Where are their birth certificates? She asked. Making the point that, oh, they're from all over. So why, why do we care that they're foreigners? dev patel was born you know what? in kenya <laughs> nope nope nobody cares about nobody cares. their
1: birth certificates because they're actors they're and, they're, and they're legal we don't give a shit
0: and they're here legally They, they had, they got permits provided for them because they're actors in an industry that got, that got them green cards and permits. I mean, look, I'm not against immigration, but I mean, come on, lady. Really? This is the point you're trying to make. She's stupid. She, it's just, it's so stupid. But okay. So it gets, it gets worse. It gets much, much worse. So she's talking about performances and yada, yada. But there's one performance that really, it put hooks in her heart. Not because it was good. It was, there's nothing good about it. It was effective and it did its job. It made its intended audience laugh and show their teeth. And, of course, she's talking about Donald Trump. Uh, she talks about how he took uh, he, the person asking to sit in the most respected seat in our country imitated a disabled reporter, which, by the way, is BS. I looked into this extensively, and Donald Trump has made the same gesture, not to defend Donald Trump over here, but uh, just, it's just a ridiculous narrative. Yeah,
1: well, I, I will say on that, I, I've look, looked into it as well. And when he first did it, I did think he was mocking the guy's disability back yeah. in the primary. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's stuff that he does. He, he makes ridiculous mannerisms all and he's time. always waving his arms around looking like a complete ridiculous all moron. Yeah, so.
0: I, I watched this whole video breaking it down and I'll link, I'll find it. I'll link to it in the show notes. And yeah, it's just him. He does it all the time. He makes this like it's like his scared uh, weak, weak face. You know, yeah. it's like it's like uh, like an animal or something. It just happens to be this guy's got a, you know, a disability, but they made a big deal of it. So long story short, she's she's talking about how how ridiculous it is, how she's talking about how they are vilified, how Hollywood is vilified more than anyone else. And and, uh, and how she calls aqua- upon the quote unquote principled press to stand up and tell the truth and to take him down. And and meanwhile, and she's saying all of this without irony. She's not realizing that Hollywood is vilified because of this exact shit that they pull. The whole South Park episode where George Clooney's cloud of smug was ruining the world, Uh, that comes from this kind of sentiment. And, and you know what? Coincidentally, it was very foggy and rainy and dark in LA today. So the smug cloud was here uh, raining down on us all damn day. But it's like, how do you say we're so vilified, and but yet we're so right, and not realize that this is what's making it worse? I mean, this is essentially, it's like if terrorists went out, and if terrorists cared what people thought about them, right? And they're like, God, I just, I, I just don't get why, why people hate us so much. And then he's like, oh, well, and then they blow up another bus. I mean, you, 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 you're watching this live, right? It's 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 almost like it, it was almost like it was a parody of itself. Um
1: it's I, I don't understand how a human being can be so tone deaf as as to the words coming out of their mouth. And one of the lines that it's probably coming up pretty pretty soon here you were reading through some of the speech, one of the lines that jumped out to me and w- when I heard it read, of course she's talking about Donald Trump and I'll read it here in a second, but th- just just think about who else could this be representing as as I read this. mm mm-hmm. Mhm disrespect invites disrespect violence incites violence when the powerful use their position to bully others we all lose Does, do you have an image of anyone else in your mind when that's when that's read tell me. maybe every, every president
0: in the, in the past i don't know 50 60 80 years yeah, exactly exactly just break, break it out again in four years Merrill. yeah but like you said it's just it's completely tone deaf there's no self-awareness in in any way in, in any of this and it is it is a bit parody. It's it's an echo chamber uh, that exists in Hollywood and, and in these in these progressive circles where I mean, Meryl Streep. Look, do you honestly think anybody in the past 35, 40 years has said boo to Meryl Streep about any opinion she's had? Um, Probably not, unfortunately. No, the, I know.
1: I know Vince it? Vaughn was was booing in his mind as he. As oh he God, it. I
0: know there. Vince Vaughn and Mel Gibson. Vince Vaughn's face was fantastic. Uh, I'm a little annoyed they didn't cite him being a libertarian and not a conservative. Yeah. They like the conservative table, but yeah, he he uh, and he expressed the sentiment that we were all were feeling when we when we saw this drivel spilling out of Meryl Streep's mouth. But yeah, syncopence, you know. So that just was ridiculous. And it's just it it makes it worse. It makes everybody's going to hate Hollywood even more now. And they don't get it. I mean, she's basically she's speaking to a room of her peers. And that's it. She she's not considering anybody else in America, which is ironic considering that. I'm sorry. Most of the money made in most of her movies probably comes from a lot of middle America. It probably comes from a lot of red states, the people that she's bashing. That's probably who's paying to see Meryl Streep movies. That's who's going to the movies in droves still, because people on the coast like me in California, we don't go to the movies that much. We got other things to do.
1: I I don't go to the movies. I live in, I guess, technically middle America in Pittsburgh, and I go to a movie like maybe once every two years. But I think that's what she was trying to do at the the onset of her speech there, saying that, yes, us actors, we're just like you. We
0: grew up in houses. (laughs) We
1: We go to public schools. We're just like you. We're no different.
0: It's like, yeah, I'm sure. Meryl, you went to a public school. Where did your kids go? Because I know they ain't going to Venice High. That's for damn sure. Dustin Hoffman has sent his kids to Los Angeles High School, and Dustin Hoffman went to Los Angeles High School. No Interesting facts here. Interesting Uh, facts. Yeah, none of these kids. They're... they're (laughs) They're not doing any of that because the schools here are terrible. They would never allow their children to be uh, to to elbow with the commoners in Los Angeles. That much I can assure you of. So just uh, awful, awful, disturbing crap from Meryl Streep. Um, anything else on that? Otherwise, I'll move on. I just had well, to touch just, on it. Yeah, it just I'll just happened. say one
1: thing having to do with that. So obviously Trump responded to it with with tweets, as he always does. And there, there's been a lot of a lot of backlash in the media, which of course there is. Whenever Donald Trump tweets, people get upset. You know, oh, president elect, uh, pot- a president, a guy that's going to be a president in a couple of weeks, shouldn't be tweeting. Shouldn't be <laughs> responding to an actress's criticism. I do agree with that. <laughs> but you, you know what? I, I no, I, I don't care. Why, why not? Why, why can't he respond to it? I, I don't care if he's the, the president elect or if he's the president. Yeah, if somebody criticizes you and outright lies about you. You should respond and call them out. I mean, I I have no problem at all whatsoever with Donald Trump's tweeting. Um, I wish he would refine it just a little bit. But I think it's fantastic that he tweets and people can just read it directly. And it's not going through the mouthpiece media for them to. And and they still try to spin it and, you know, get their take on it or whatever. But anyway, I I think it's good. And I, I I think it's setting a precedent for
0: presidents going forward see i have less i i don't mind the tweeting i but i do mind specifically like because here's my problem with this is that i actually like his his twitter diplomacy or as i call it you know toilet diplomacy because i'm sure half the time he's taking dumps while he's tweeting but i my problem is that the more you tweet in response to stuff like this the more flack that you can get when you don't tweet in response to stuff like this you know, so it's kind yeah. of like you're setting yourself up again This is a lesson in PR. In, in a way, if you consistently respond, you're setting a pattern in people's mind. And when you do not co- you when you don't obey your own pattern and God knows Trump doesn't have a pattern necessarily. But it's something where he's now going to get criticized whenever he doesn't reply and say, oh, yeah, Trump was conspicuously silent on Twitter. have his people shut him down, you know, that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I, um, I think I think uh, it was on Joe Rogan. Bill Burr was talking about Trump tweeting and he painted the picture of what, what you can imagine when you read one of Trump's tweets, what he's doing. He's probably in his in his home with uh, no no shoes on, just with those like knee high black socks, gold gold tip socks, <laughs> just in his underwear and a uh and a button down white shirt on, just pacing around tweeting on his phone. Hell That's yeah. probably exactly what he's doing.
0: <laughs> I certainly hope so. I can't wait till he gets in the Oval Office. I hope he has the, the curtains open the entire time, just in his box of shorts back and forth. <laughs> All right. So, well, I now I want to go to something with a little bit more uh, meat on its bones. Um, so Donald Trump Jr. Yes, Jr. Uh, made some news because he has been making a, a push along with some of the gun manufacturing industry basically to, uh, to make it easier to get silencers. And I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I don't have any issue with somebody trying to make silencers easier to get. I mean, there's a, a Oh, wait, hold on. You know what? Um, get, hold on. Let me throw it to commercial real quick, Odie. Uh, oh, wow, I apologize. Commercial. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, hold on. One sec. Let me uh, let me roll the commercial, and then we'll be right back, guys, with the uh, Electric Liberty Land. Hi, I'm Donald Trump Jr., and I want to talk to you about my brand new silencers, Trumpthwumps. Are you tired of this? Oh, he's not shooting so loud. You're making me crazy. Uh, shut up. Or just wonder how you're going to quietly kill your soon-to-be-president father for his inheritance with today's non-silent guns. Worry no more with Trump Thwumps, the silencer from D.T. Jr. Go from bringing down the Secret Service on your head to a nice soothing thwump as your bullet leaves the chamber. Trump Thwumps, the thwumps from Trump. They're going to be huge. All right, and we're back. Um, wow, got to pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> got to pay the bills here that on was, ELL. It <laughs> was quite a commercial there. Wow. Uh, you know what, man? It's a new show, and uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't book the commercials. Mark Claire books the commercials, so you can blame him for the co- pure coincidence that we happen to share this commercial right now. So you can email Mark at lionsludie dot com with any complaints. I, I didn't realize Donald Trump Jr. had such a lisp. Uh, you know what? It's when you listen to a lot of his interviews, it really, it comes out. It's surprising. Yeah, yeah. He's got a little bit of a, of a speech impediment there. He's got a little, like a little Bill Weldy, little Bill Weldy lisp. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's there, man. I don't know why. It, it's it's privilege. It's from eating too much caviar, not enough hard foods, probably. His teeth have gotten soft. So so passionate about the silencers or
1: suppressors. I guess he is, this, is the suppressors.
0: Yeah. Well, look, he's in this. There's a Washington Post story I was reading. And it's literally he's, he's out. He's in a video talking with one of these manufacturers of suppressors. And they're trying to push it through. And they've got some congressmen behind them. Um, basically, they're billing it as a health thing saying that it helps your ears you know it's it's better for you it's not as loud and it's going to protect your ear drums and all that stuff but you know what the thing for me is i don't really give a damn if it protects your ears or not if people want to buy a silencer for their gun they should be able to buy a silencer for their gun i don't care what they're using it for if they're using it for hunting and they, they think it'll scare the deer a little bit less when they fire and they won't hear it as far away i say great i mean you're a gun owner what do you think of that yeah
1: I'll tell you what. I, I want to have. I want to be able to to you know reduce the noise on my weapon when I'm when I'm sighting it in when I'm firing lots of rounds. You know I, I am wearing hearing protection of course, but still you know nothing cancels everything out. And when I'm out hunting, you don't wear hearing protection. So you know if, if you have to shoot at a deer twice or you know three times, you're getting three shots with no hearing protection. You can't you can't hear you. You have ringing in your ears. You know I'm I'm all for suppressors heck if they had them up before amplifiers you can make them louder you should be able to do whatever you want to with with a uh, with a firearm if as
0: long as you're not harming anyone else exactly right and that's why that's what drives me nuts about the fact that this that it's so hard to get a suppressor to begin with because why Oh, because of James Bond, you know, you see that, which all, which is, which is BS anyway. If you've ever heard a gun fired with a suppressor, it's not that quiet. It's not like the, it's it's not that sweet. That is
1: gross. (laughs) It's like (laughs) misrepresent, like no, I can't say that word. (laughs) Misrepresentation.
0: Misrepresentation. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you, you, the people can hear you, uh, several city blocks away if you're firing a gun with a suppressor on it. Yeah. So that's all just BS anyway. But yeah, it's just these people—they see it, they go, "Oh no, we can't have that because it'll be so much easier for people to to quietly murder people." And it's like, so you're making a bill and you're putting putting all these regulations on an industry based upon a theoretical uh assessment of what somebody could do with this thing, which you've never used, you don't even really know how it works. But God knows, let's put all these restrictions in place.
1: So, rest- so I guess I guess the liberals think that if there wasn't this restriction. There would be all these people being murdered. Like, the only thing stopping these people from sneaking around and murdering
0: people in silence, yes, is these is not allowing these, these uh, suppressors. Exactly right. Look, these suppressors. This is the this is the DUI of uh, of murder. They're aggressively getting in front of the game. They're saying, no, 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 we have to stop. We need checkpoints. Yeah, it's just it's just so stupid. And I mean, yeah. it's surprising that Donald Trump Jr. is uh, so passionate about this this one cause but i think
1: it's awesome i think it's great he's passionate about it
0: <laughs> yeah and it's hey look I'm, I'm not i'm not crapping on it uh i'm not i'm not crappoing on it uh because senator mike crappo uh republican from idaho is behind the bill but um yeah good to see you know i i, I hope it passes i think it will i mean why really why wouldn't it pass
1: you got a republican house republican senate this is a a very uh it's not you know, like they're you know, changing that much. All they're doing is tweaking something to make it make suppressors
0: easier to get. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I say go for it, Donald Jr. Good job, buddy. Uh, Speaking of the Donald, big Donald, here's a great story, man. Uh, You know, Rand Paul and uh, Donald Trump were not best friends going through the debates. I don't know if you if you saw that But yeah, uh, oh, yeah, I saw him making fun of his hair and maybe his face at a couple different times. Oh, yeah, I think that would. I might be making this up, I probably am, but I think at one point maybe Donald Trump gestured to his armpit, hair, and Rand's (laughs) head. Um, but yeah, they they were not on good terms, yet Donald and Rand spoke, and apparently. The Donald is backing up Rand Paul's plan. Well, no, I can't even say plan. It's not a plan. He's backing up Rand's assessment that they should not repeal Obamacare before they have a replacement in place. And I guess I maybe I'm giving Trump too much credit because this will be a Trumper dump. So just keep that in mind as we're discussing this and we'll assess it. Indeed. I mean, I I don't want to give him too much credit because it just sounds like it makes the most sense if Rand wants to say well let's not just rip this thing out from under people and and pull the rug out and have them fall on their asses and then have no way to pay for the broken bones in their pelvis that they've fallen on i mean it makes sense to say why don't we wait until there's something in place as much as i hate obamacare but i mean what do you think is this something is this a sign of good things to come could could you see these two being unlikely allies not only in this but in more things to come after this I, I definitely think so. I think when you, you know we start talking about foreign policy,
1: they could definitely have some overlap there. But to, yeah, to talk about this repeal and replace, I, I think it's a it's not really accurate altogether. I'm um, sure you can repeal. They're going to repeal aspects of Obamacare. I don't think they're going to rip the whole thing out. But they're not really going to. I mean, nothing's going to replace it. What they're talking about is putting some measures in place that should help to drive down the price and. Make it easier for people to to get health insurance than are really re- replacing it with another you know, Trump care or, or Paul care or something. I think there's a couple, a couple of things that they're talking about doing, which Trump talked about and Rand's talked about for a long time, is making it uh, so insurance companies can deal across state lines. Right. Um, they want Although, to make Rico, it.
0: Hold on. Rico and I were talking about this and Rico. Uh, pointed out that he doesn't think that even if they allowed people to deal across state lines, the individual states themselves have individual requirements for insurance coverage that could make that an impossibility.
1: Well, um, maybe to some degree, but I know, like, for example, with, with my employer now, I live, you know, I'm in Pittsburgh and we have people that, you know, live in West Virginia or in Ohio and drive in to work in Pittsburgh. So our insurance carrier today offers insurance in those three states, depending on where you live. So, uh, I mean, there's definitely
0: ways around it. Yeah, that's true. Well, I'm just, I'm just pointing it out. It was on our last yeah, episode. I'm ELL, sure they're, they're, Boy, by the way, lines time, of sure. dot com forward slash ELL one. <laughs> <laughs> I was
1: just going to say, I'm sure a state like California, for example, they probably have some, some crazy shit where you can uh, can't Sell insurance in their state unless you meet so many made up requirements that have paid off the
0: politicians. But. Oh, yeah, exactly right. You can't even bring it, they have taxes upon taxes here. If, if you buy something out of state, you still have to pay retroactive taxes and stuff. It's ridiculous. But um, yeah, so I, I agree with you. I, I hope this is a sign to come that they can work together more. um You know, because Ranzi, he, as we know, is one of the leading libertarian voices. Most of what he's going to put on the table is going to be good for Liberty. Granted, some of his stuff is, is not so great. And, uh, and he and Trump seem to see eye to eye on Israel most of the time, which uh, drives me up the damn wall. But uh, I, you know, I'll say it's a Trump. It's definitely a Trump. How could it not be a Trump? No,
1: it's a Trump. Of course. I mean, putting these things in place, having another thing they want to do is, which I'm a big fan of is raising the limit on HSAs. I'm a big fan of HSAs, healthcare savings accounts, um actually I wish they would go farther in that and just make all all uh healthcare medical related expenses completely 100% tax deductible but this is yeah a step in the right direction yeah, I'm I, for it definitely Trump
0: that was actually in Trump's tax plan uh, that I read before was that he was talking about making tax tax care deductible or basically all healthcare for uh well, at least children and the elderly was going to be tax deductible. So I think that partially is in there. I know health savings accounts is one of the things that he wants to, mm-hmm. to increase. So, yeah, man, it, it's definitely an encouraging sign. It um, also, I give Trump credit on this regard as well. The man has said through and through that he is a negotiator. He will, he'll talk crap about somebody one day, and then the next day he will more than happily sit down and talk to them about it. And no matter what you think about Trump and a lot of people have a lot of horrible things to say, you got to give him credit for that. He sat down with Rand, even though they had an acrimonious relationship, they spoke, they agreed on something and now they're moving forward and they're publicly saying, yes, we agree on this thing. So, I mean, this it takes a lot of, I don't even know what you call it, integrity. I hate to use the word integrity in Donald Trump, but it takes a lot of integrity to say, I don't care. I'm going to, I'm fine with sitting down with you. I know I said these things, but I could be wrong. I want to hear what you have to say. Let's, let's dish it out together one-on-one.
1: Yeah, I mean, think he's a populist overall, and he wants to be popular. And if he just repeals Obamacare and doesn't, you know, encourage a climate for there to be, you know, more affordable insurance that people can get, then it's going to be a bad thing. Um, Something this isn't really. This is kind of on topic. I don't know if you 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 sent me that the article you sent me for this Trump uh, Trump Iran collaboration is from Talking Point Memo. Oh yeah, Talking Points Memo. Then the author. I don't know if you looked down at the author who wrote this. Her Allegra. name is a- Allegra Kirkland. Yeah. And I've never seen a picture of someone that their name fit their picture so much. She it's does definitely, look
0: like an Allegra Kirkland. She definitely looks like an Allegra. She is. A, you know, she's a very attractive uh, young lady. I will say that. Yeah. You might want to check I, her
1: out. Got to we'll agree. Yeah, Check out the talking point memos. Talking yeah. points memos, whatever it
0: is. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. But yeah, she does look like an Allegra. Well, you know, she looks like she's got some, you know, is that an Italian name? Allegra? Allegra i i don't know Offending I don't know. every italian that listens to this podcast <laughs> send <laughs> me your name send me your names <laughs> to read on air and i'll gladly offend you and your culture send them in. yeah all right. All right, well, let's do well, let's do one more one more quickie here um so i i i uh i full disclosure i am a uh a guy that is skeptical, not of global warming in general, as I, cause I'm undecided, you, the, the temperature goes up. I just don't know what regard that has to do with man's uh, CO2, how much impact CO2 has on the environment. I'm very, very skeptical of climate models considering that none of them have actually ever worked in any way, shape or form. Yet we, we obviously base massive regulations upon these climate models that are failures. So. It came out uh, on January 3rd that Judith Curry, who was one of the big leaders in uh, climate science, more so on the side that argues that people that are skeptical of the current accepted quote-unquote consensus need to be heard and that the industry is, uh, as a whole, completely politicized and is attuned to basically decry anybody that has any dissenting opinion without actually examining the science behind it. So Judith Curry effectively resigned on January 1st from Georgia Tech, where she was uh very high up. She was at one point um one of the I, I guess well I mean really essentially one of the highest of this school. She was the chair of the School of Earth and Atmospheric Sciences at the Georgia Institute of Technology. Um she then went on to serve on she's I think she's still in the NASA advise is I ah I think she's still on the NASA Advisory Council for Earth Science. Uh, she's spoken to Congress many, many times and Senate many, many times. Uh, she even had a position at Penn State University, my friend. And uh, Did she really? <laughs> yes, yes, she did. So she effectively resigned. And I'll post a – basically, I'll share this blog post that she has on her own blog, which is called Climate Etc. But basically what Judith said is that she has – she's hit the wall. Um she's tried to be the best scientist she can be, she's tried to be the most impartial scientist she could be, which is the way you should be obviously in science, but she said that basically she's just felt the enti- she's felt a change in the entire academic industry and as far as seeing peer-reviewed journals and everything else where it's turned on its head and it, the animosity towards anybody that dare threaten this industry that is climate change and uh anthropomorphic <laughs> I'm not even going to use that word. because I'm trying to use right that has threatened climate change and this whole you know just this whole industry built around CO2 and man's effect and and new ways and carbon capping and everything else. Where there's such a cottage industry that's been built up into this billions and billions and billions. Where politicians now have risked their careers on it being correct. She just doesn't want to fight it anymore. And I, for one, just I find that absolutely heartbreaking.
1: Well, I, I mean, I think it's heartbreaking to some degree, but. Like I, like she said in the in her uh, in her blog post, you know, some would say you should try to, you know, fight it and you know initiate your change from the inside, uh, kill the beast from the inside. And uh, I just don't think that it's worth it. I think she she'll be fighting a losing battle. And uh, she talks about in this blog post, she has some things going on in the private sector uh, with uh, a company she founded a few years ago with, uh, with a with a colleague in the climate sector. And one quote she has that I think is is very telling from that blog post. She says, "At this point, the private sector seems like a more honest place for a scientist working in the politicized field that universities or government than universities or government labs. Yep. At least when you're your own boss." And I think the key word there is honest, and it's really what what you were talking about there. With just it's it's really a uh, it's a toxic environment, and for people, someone like Judith or and she's you know. She's very well known within the community and respected. I'm sure she's worked her way up for her to, to go against this, you know, what they call what they call a proven this proven climate science, which is it's not proven at all yep. for her to really not be able to go against it. Of course, younger people coming into the field, younger scientists, they have no chance if they go against it. They'll be I mean, they'll be running on the street. Well, so it's 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 a toxic environment.
0: Yeah. And she's talking about, like you said, these younger people. She mentions one in her uh, in her blog as well that talking about they come to her and they're saying that they don't want to speak out. They don't want they. And she tells them not to because it's basically career suicide. She says avoid it at all costs. You know, do your science, but don't don't speak out because it's basically like being in the closet. You know, and these climate scientists, they're forced to stay in the closet if they dare have a dissenting opinion. And that's not what science is. I mean, the moment science becomes a politicized animal like it has, the moment that you get to this point where you could be drummed out or disparaged and people go out of their way to trash you in the media. And and these are people like Michael Mann at Penn State. He's one of the top climatologists. In the world, he was found in that whole climate gate email scandal to be hiding data and to be colluding with other people in the industry to disallow or disavow people that had anti climate warming views and to have their, their papers thrown out and be refused to publish in journals. That's not science. Nope. Uh, It's just, I mean, it, it, it breaks my heart. And the fact that, that nobody can accept that. Uh, not nobody, but the fact that the majority of Americans and the majority of people all over the world have been brainwashed into saying, yes, this is a thing that's done and we have to keep marching on to the beat. I mean, I was talking to one friend, a very good friend of mine, very smart friend of mine, um, and he said his point of view is that. He goes, you know what? I'm, I'm not settled on it, but he goes, I, I think there's a consensus. And he goes, and even if there's, even if there's only a, a 5% chance it could be right, I believe that we need all the regulations in place to stop it. And we need to take all the steps. And I, I told him, I said, that's insane. That's, in, that's like, that's like playing the lottery every day, but you're risking, instead of risking your money, you're risking everyone's money. You're betting third world nations futures on this, this unproven, percentage chance that we have no idea what the percent is and you're in the meantime you're costing under other people millions and millions of dollars billions and billions of dollars you're, you're destroying industries you're putting you're trying to put the coal business out of out of business i mean it's just it just goes beyond ridiculous into this realm of hysteria
1: yeah, and this it, actually kind of ties into something I posted in the forum today in our Lions of Liberty forum, which Brian told you how to join earlier in the show. But I'll repeat it: go to Facebook.com, punch Lions of Liberty forum in the search bar, and it'll pop up, and we'll get you in. Um, it was it, it talks it, what it is is it it's uh, it shows flowcharts of and and they've they've flowcharts for in the U.S. They have them every single year. And they break it down by state as well. And also, they do a lot of foreign countries, not every year, but I think the last year they did it was maybe 2013, where they'll break down in that country or in the state, in the United States, all of the energy sources and what those energy sources go towards. And when you start to look at how much of our energy still comes from quote unquote fossil fuels, uh, petroleum, natural gas, um, you get up coal even. And you start talking about nuclear is still a big part of it. And you look at just a tiny fraction that is solar energy and wind. Um, as soon as you look at that, it's it smacks you in the face that it is impossible. It's not even a discussion point to talk about. It's impossible in the near term to tra- transition from what we currently have, our current energy portfolio, to one that is dominated by solar or wind or uh, or or some other form of renewable renewable energy, um, and that's I mean that's that's definitely tied in with what we're talking about. But they, they make it seem like it's 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 just a simple change. All we right. have yeah. to do is just stop building these pipelines and you know put these regulations in and stop. No, you it's. If, it's, not, it's, it's really it's not even possible. of dollar
0: of infrastructure that needs to be put into place. It's like Germany did it. Germany's a much much smaller country than we are, and their electricity or their and basically all of their energy prices, I think, like quadrupled. I mean, it was like a shocking slap in the face how much more money it costs them, and because they're not ready for it, we're not ready for it. And people could say, look, well, yeah, we need to, we need to regulate. We need to try to, you know, entice these industries. We need to try to smash the old ones and then build up the new. But you know what'll do that better than anything? The free freaking market. That's what'll take care of that. So stop subsidizing bad companies. Like stop with the cylinders of the world. Stop subsidizing all these other solar companies and wind companies. Let the free market figure it out when they have a solution in place that is cheap and easy and and can be put in without the without people going crazy, without losing their jobs, and without paying quadruple what they're paying for energy. It will be put into place. I promise you, world. I promise you, that's what'll happen. Until then, just let things happen.
1: I agree, and it's it's funny you bring up Germany. We were, we were asked that question because I think we talked. I don't know. We talked about that on was that felony Friday or maybe a roundtable. We were talking about. <laughs> energy prices and
0: maybe did you bring up germany i I don't remember i probably did because that's because that's the prime example because they went out of their way to to get off of their quote-unquote fossil fuels
1: yeah and and somebody confirmed that, that germany is number two with the most expensive energy number one is italy which is ironic because italy underneath that very country has rich uh, fossil fu- fossil fuels, natural gas, oil, and they could really—I mean—they could be an exporter, but they're they import everything, and it's it's super expensive, and the, I mean, <laughs> that
0: country is falling apart. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. The government—well, it makes perfect sense if the government is controlling uh, who can drill where, uh, etc. So that makes perfect exactly. sense when you look at it from our perspective. Well, Odie, I want to thank you so much, guys. Thank, uh, thank you for listening to Electric Liberty Land. We's gonna boogie on out of here, but before we do, I do want to thank Odie. Uh, you can you can listen to him on Felony Friday every Friday on the Lions of Liberty podcast. You can visit the archives for that Lions of Liberty forward slash FF. Is that correct?
1: Um, the felony Friday archive, you can actually get to it a couple of ways, but the easiest way is felonyfriday.com. So I bought that domain and I just route it right into. What did the, that happen? I don't know. About a year ago,
0: maybe. Oh, where have I been? <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, you know, I usually turn off the show before you go into where to find things. I've heard it so many times.
1: <laughs> ah, come on. <laughs>
0: Oh, well. Hey, you know, well, thank, thanks Friday. for having
1: me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, either. well,
0: you know, it was, it was great until this last part where I messed up. <laughs> but yes, always good having you on this show, man. And you guys, please, you can find us, go to, you know, follow us on Facebook, Lions of Liberty. Uh, you can obviously find us on Twitter, at Lions of Liberty. It's all very easy. It's all just Lions of Liberty, guys. So, guys, thank you so much for joining us on Electric Liberty Land, where you are always plugged in to live.